0: certainly thankful for the prayer this morning that Brother Don offered on our behalf. Would we'll continue to ask that you might bless us, the Lord might bless us, and that you might continue to pray for not only me, but for yourselves, and that the Lord would see fit to touch our hearts in a special way. <clears throat> Brother Don talked in his prayer of Churches that were continued to meet around the country in small numbers. And we know that in God's Word, uh, if you study it out, the simplicity of the gospel is what's taught, is the church. Much of what's in churches today is man made, man thought of, and not God orchestrated. You know, we try the best we can, and, and we, we fall short also to do exactly what God said. And basically, that's to sing and to preach. Pray and do those things, and on a daily basis, that would be a blessing unto others, and that will lift up and glorify His name. I know it's not the popper thing. Some people say that we're old and we're out of style and we're out of date. But friends, we're the most in style and, and up to date of any church, according to the teachings in Acts chapter two. So. We're not going to go into that this morning, it's not my subject, but I'm very thankful that we still have those that are desiring together, and if it be God's will, this church will continue as, as long as we're all here, and if it be His will, maybe He'll add to the church, you know, there's, there's things that can change and God can change them, so we sang a couple of songs this morning uh, <clears throat> that I want to talk about a few things in those songs and we'll, we'll move on. Hopefully this morning we'll learn something from God's word because that's what preaching is for. We know that the preacher, not there's no prophets today, no matter what the prophets of old have passed, there's no apostles, but God has ordained preachers, called men out from among his people to preach the gospel. That how it, that's how it is in the New Testament age. Uh, some people believe otherwise, but that's not according to thus saith the Lord, so... As we go on this morning, I I hope we learn. We're to learn of old in the Old Testament. We're told that in the book of Romans, but we're to learn from the New Testament to to benefit our lives. We sang a song, uh, when my soul is resting in the presence of the Lord, I'll be satisfied. You know, I would ask you this morning to begin with, are you satisfied with your life? There's a lot to be said when it comes to satisfaction. Are you satisfied with the way your life's going? Maybe once upon a time you were and you're not now. I don't know. Satisfaction is something that is hard to come by in this life. Are you satisfied with your relationships? Are you satisfied with the way your children have went in life? Are you satisfied with the amount of money that you make? That's a big one. Are you satisfied with the church? Are you satisfied with the preacher? Are you satisfied with me? On and on goes. You're satisfied with the way you look. You know, satisfaction is something that I think we want in life, but sometimes we find it very very hard to find it and to desire it. You know, I wrote down a definition that says that satisfaction is the state of the mind which results from the full gratification of desire. If you're full and you're complete and you desire nothing else, you you possibly are satisfied, but it's unlikely that if you're satisfied this moment, a few moments down the road, you won't be satisfied. Things will turn. Things will change. And it's so hard to be satisfied in this life, but we need to strive to be satisfied. Another word that we'll look at in the Bible, it means the same thing as contentment, to be content. You know, are we content where we are in life? You know... We're going to look at some examples in a minute, but this side of glory, we will never be 100% satisfied. You remember years ago when you would watch TV and they'd have an advertisement on the TV, and usually it was for a service, and they'll tell you that satisfaction was guaranteed. Well, I can't tell you whether it was guaranteed or not, but I can tell you when it comes to service now, satisfaction, uh, if they tell you satisfaction is guaranteed, I'd take that with a grain of salt. Because personal service and and that kind of thing is not what it even once was. But, you know, satisfaction in this world is not guaranteed, not guaranteed by the Lord. But there's coming a day that it will be guaranteed. When my soul is resting in the presence of the Lord, I'll be satisfied. And honestly, to have full and complete satisfaction That's that's when it will truly happen and be brought into its fullness. The psalmist David said in Psalms chapter 17 and verse 15, very familiar verse, he says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I believe pure satisfaction, guaranteed satisfaction, satisfaction to its fullness and completeness, will come when you behold the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in righteousness. You will be fully satisfied, whether you can imagine that possibility or not. He said, when I awake, not in, with thy likeness, I'll be satisfied. I shall be satisfied. You know, the shalls of the Bible are something that we need to always remember. There's not any possibility of failure. For she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. That happened, didn't it? She bore a son, Mary did, the Virgin Mary. And sure enough, as God directed by the shall, his name he was named Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. There's no possibility that Jesus Christ did not save everyone that was given to him by the Father. All that were written in the covenant of grace, they've been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. David says here, I shall, no possibility of failure. He says, "When when my eyes open, they close in this earth, and they open in the presence of the one who is pure righteousness, I shall be satisfied. I'll be like him. You know what will make us like him? We'll be rid of sin. Why are we not satisfied in this life? You know, I think about every time, and you know, uh, I'm not picking on the women here, but you know, uh, and the men do some of this, but how many things do we go out and purchase to change the way we look? Are we not? Is that because we're not satisfied with the way we look? You know, like I said, I'm not here to beat on anybody's toes, but we're always trying uh, to look better basically because we're not satisfied. You know, sometimes we're not satisfied with the way we look otherwise, and we, we're doing all kinds of things to try to change our image and our appearance. We're trying to satisfy ourselves what we're trying to do a lot more so than we're trying to satisfy others. Satisfaction is something that we strive for and yet we find it hard to obtain sometimes. But there is coming a day in the world when you die, when you close your eyes and you open in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be satisfied. You're not going to have any sin. You're going to leave sin behind. And that body of sin will be uh, put in the heart of the earth, if the Lord hadn't come back. But one day it'll be raised, sinless. It'll be made like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ, reunited with the soul and spirit. And so shall you ever be with the Lord. You know you'll be satisfied. There'll never be a day in heaven that you're not full of joy. There'll never be a day in heaven I believe that you'll you, you won't smile. You won't be sad. Bible tells us that you won't have any tears. The only way those things could happen that we read of in the 21st chapter of Revelation is you're satisfied. So I have no doubt that what David said here many, many years ago is the truth. We'll be satisfied. But satisfaction in this life is something you've got to work at. It's something that you've got to strive for. The Bible tells us to do just that. We're taught to do that. But before we go on, I want to... Look at some examples before we get over and, and, and kind of close out with some verses in, in Philippians and in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We get some verses here in out of James chapter 1. It says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. But let patience or endurance have her perfect work that you may be perfect. That means complete. Mature, and entire, wanting nothing. Have you gotten to that place in America that you don't want anything? We sang that last song. When Christ has full control of our souls, only then and then only will we be satisfied. good friend of mine, a number of years ago, telling some of my sons, if you're not content in the Lord, you'll never be happy. I believe that with all my heart. Are you content with God's provision in your life? Are you content with how God made you to look? How God put you out here in the land? You know, one thing that we often don't think about, we sang that song, Count Your Blessings. How many of us give thought to the, the very blessing we are born in the United States of America? Now, it may be fading out as you and I have known it as time goes on because of our departure from God, but what greater blessing have we had in our life? Deuteronomy chapter 8 tells us about the children of Israel when they went over into the land of Canaan. They went into a land of plenty. They didn't have to grow it. It was already there. They ate till their stomachs or their bellies were full. And the story was not to forget the Lord their God. I was blessed to be born into such a land. So were you. We have much to be thankful for. We ought to be satisfied whatever state we're in. That's what the Bible teaches us. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire, perfect, entire, wanting nothing. I can't imagine that, to be honest with you. Can you get to the point that whatever you've got is good enough? I don't need any more. I don't want any more. I mean, it's a. can you imagine the peace of mind you'd have if you wasn't out striving to obtain everything this world could give you? I'm telling you, we do that to be satisfied. We think something out in this world will give us satisfaction, and yet it won't last but a but a, a moment. You've heard the old saying that people spend money, they don't have to buy things they don't need, either to impress other folks or to fulfill the lust of their own flesh. A lot of times, have you, have you ever been down and out, and just not satisfied with the way life's going, so you go out and buy something new, and it gives you a little satisfaction for a little while, but... That soon fades away. That's not not what satisfies the soul. It's when Jesus has full control. That's what will truly satisfy. You know, we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when we begin to take our eyes off of him and begin to put our eyes upon this world, even though we're striving to seek satisfaction in the world, we're not going to obtain it. And if we do, it's not going to last. Apostle Paul te- teaches us that. Let's go to the book of Luke, and we're going to look at some things which didn't actually use the the word satisfied. But let's, there's no question in my mind that they, that's what uh, was under what really not what's under consideration, but it's it's what was happening. If you go to Luke chapter 15 and the in the parable of the two lost sons, it says, "And the younger of them said to his father." Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and divideth unto me, and divideth unto them his living, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Now, do you think that son was satisfied staying at home? Was he complete? Was was, was he in a state of, of Completeness and 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 needed nothing. Was he satisfied with what was going on there? Apparently not. So he took it upon himself to go out and 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 to look into another life. I, I believe he was seeking satisfaction in in sinful places, like many of us have many times in our life. The Lord brought him to the end of his way because he wasn't satisfied. He left home. But then we have the other side of the story: the older brother. He wasn't satisfied either. When his younger brother returned home and his father was full of joy, glad to see him, he wasn't satisfied to see him come home. He wasn't wasn't fit to come home. You just talk about all the ways that we're dissatisfied in life. This is one of them. Have you ever been dissatisfied with folks thinking they didn't get what they deserved or or what they had coming to them? I remember the dog was talking about this this morning. I heard Elder Tim McCool preaching, and he talked about how we should never, uh, you know, say, well, they got it. Uh, I hope they get what they got coming to them. You know, it's only by God's mercy we didn't get what was coming to us. Aren't you thankful? That's how we should view that. When you pray for your enemies, just think of what you really deserve. We deserve separation from God throughout all eternity. But according to God's mercy, hath saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It was God's mercy that saved us. So let's leave vengeance unto the Lord. You know, sometimes we can root vengeance on to people, and we ought not to do that. Because it could be us the next time. We know what we deserve. That younger brother didn't like it that his the older brother didn't like it that his younger brother come home and was so well received. Matter of fact, the, the older brother said, how can, how can you bring him back? Somebody that's been out wasting his life and living with harlots? He wasn't satisfied either, was he? You know, sometimes we see that in, in, in families, immediate families. Some families are not satisfied with members of, of the family, how they live their life. You know, that doesn't mean we have to like it, but uh, we, we need to be more concerned about ourselves. Let's let's go to Luke chapter 12 to Another familiar one, beginning in verse 15, it says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. This is, I, this is completely and totally opposed to what you're taught in the world. It is. I call Luke chapter 12, and the parable of the rich man, the American dream. We're taught to stack it up and to pile it up if we can. And when we get to be old, we'll eat, drink, and be merry. Let's notice, he says, and he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. The most important thing to understand in this verse is that man was already rich, and God continued to bless him. He wasn't concerned about giving it to the poor. He wasn't satisfied. Have you ever heard the old saying, uh, the more you have, the more you want? Friends, that applies to almost all of us. The more we have, the more we want. You You know, Solomon, he made a statement. He said, the eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. We're hard to satisfy in this life. And I tell you, it's even more difficult in the United States of America. And I tell you that because we've been blessed and prospered so well. I went to the Philippines twice. Those people were happy, and they done with a whole lot less. But, you know, they knew what was going on in America. They could see it on TV, and they yearned for it. They didn't know what they were yearning for. Prosperity and goodness has caused so many of us to be dissatisfied that we, 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 we don't know what to do with ourselves. We want, we want, and we want more. We have not become entire wanting nothing. Christ is not the one that is satisfying our souls. We're trying to seek something out here in the world to fulfill and satisfy our inner being, and it's never going to work. Apostle Paul will tell us that when we get over here, but this rich man... He said he would tear down his barns and he would build bigger ones and he'd stack up all this grain and he would eat, drink, and be merry. Is that not America? We'll eat, drink, and be merry. We'll, we'll do what we want to. You know, so many of us are so concerned about gathering up enough that when we retire that we can go to where we want to go, live the way that we want to live. That's what he was doing here. Lord said the man was a fool. But you won't hear anybody in the world, in in this country, tell you you're a fool for doing that. Think about the rich man in Mark chapter 10. It's also in Luke. The rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus began to talk about the commandments, and the young man so the young ruler said, all these I have kept from my youth. I seriously doubt that, but that was the statement he made. And Jesus said, thou likest one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. He wasn't wasn't a bit satisfied with Jesus' response, was he? He hung his head down and he walked away sad, full of sorrow because he had great possessions. He wasn't satisfied with what the Lord said. You know, many of us want to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. We're not satisfied with giving our entire life unto the Lord. But friends, only Christ will ever satisfy our souls. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. We're But a vapor that appeared for a little time and vanished away. And yet, we grab a hold of this old world so tight we can hardly let go sometimes. I'm no different than you are. I enjoy the things of this world and I went down that road plenty in my life. But I tell you, this is what does say the Lord uh, begins to direct to us. Even though we'll never be perfect and completely satisfied in this life, as David stated, like we will when we go to heaven. We're to strive and do the very best we can to be satisfied, to be content. Go over and spend a little time in Philippians and and notice what Paul begins to say here. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of want. He's not talking about wanting anything. For I have learned Paul learned something, this man that was wrecking havoc on the church, that consented to Stephen's death, was trying to rid the world of the name of Jesus Christ, this man said he learned something, you know I think Paul learned some things like I've learned in life the hard way, you know sometimes the stubborn have to learn the hard way and that's kind of where I am in life. But he said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am. Can you sit along with Paul and say, I'm satisfied with what I have. I need no more. I want no more. He says, therefore, therewith to be content. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know both how to abase, how to be humble, how to be low, and how, to, and how to abound. He says, He says, I'm, I'm satisfied if I have abundance. I'm satisfied if I have very little. But I tell you, according to thus says the Lord, a, a big part of us have a lot of problem with this. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. He says, everywhere in all things I am instructed to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. He said, I've learned. How did he learn? He learned through the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what he said? I find it a great statement he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When we read about him having the thorn in his side, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, Notice Paul's response. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Until we can be satisfied in our afflictions or whatever is going on in life, we're not going to be satisfied. Paul didn't have a perfect life. Matter of fact, if you go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll find it was far from perfect. He went through far more than any of us. Many of the martyrs who were put to death went far more, had far more put upon them than any of us have. But Paul says that being satisfied, being content is something that we have to learn. It goes against the grain of our human nature. It goes against the grain of the world in which we live. The world in which you live measures you by your lands and your houses and your gold and your silver and your bank accounts. Aren't you thankful that we wasn't redeemed with silver and gold that's corruptible and that perisheth, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Only thing that would redeem us. Aren't you thankful? But I tell you, we want all the gold and all the silver that we can get our hands on. That way, when we get to the latter parts of our lives, we can, we can live like we think. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they get there and their health gets bad and they're not able to do anything close to what they dreamed they would do when they were young people, but they strive for it. Paul did that through the strength of Christ. Now I want to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll spend a little time here and we'll close. Beginning in verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment, Is great gain. Notice the order that that went in. Godliness. If God is not the God of your life, the Lord of your life every day, you're unlikely to ever be content to be happy. You know, Psalms 144 says, talks about happy is that people whose God, capital G, is the Lord. Just as I said, friend of mine told my some of my sons, unless you're content in the Lord, you'll never be happy. You'll never be satisfied, and that's right. Friends, I'm not telling you being satisfied and content is easy. It takes a, a conscious effort. It takes a change of mind. It, it, it takes making us understand some things that, that we know are true and, and putting them into action. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. When you were born to your mother, and dad, and came into this world. You had nothing. You begin to obtain things. You begin to uh, gather up things. You begin. You got married. Uh, you, you had children. You bought things. I mean, on and on goes the story. But you, you started with nothing. You're going to end with nothing. And yet, that something that's in between beginning and ending becomes our. It drives us a, a lot of times in life. It drives us to the point that we're not happy and that we're not satisfied. Notice what Paul said too here. It's of great gain. He didn't say if you'll be godly and if you'll be, uh, have contentment, you'll gain a little bit of something. He said it's great gain. Many places in the Bible, you can go to Proverbs. I could take you all over the Bible where it talks about silver and gold. That's money. That's what he's talking about. In the Bible, silver and gold is basically money. Where the Lord says that his wisdom, or himself, Or his blood, according to the writer, is is more precious than silver or gold. But in this country, silver and gold is, is very, very precious to people. We're measured by it. We're viewed by it. It's great gain. Godliness always comes before contentment. It's probably unlikely that you can ever be content unless you live a godly life. A life looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You know, sin very easily besets us. and Without our view of Christ all the time, we will sin more often than not. More than we should. We're never going to stop sinning in this life, but we can strive to live a more righteous life and a better life. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. How many folks do you know in this country that are are as happy as they can be, as satisfied as they can be just having some food and some clothes and a roof over their head? You know, we're great at justifying our circumstances. Well, I'm not rich like the filthy rich or I'm not this, that, or the other. You know, it's all relevant to your circumstances and your place in life. But honestly... If all you had was food and raiment, could you be content and a roof over your head? If many of us go back far enough in life, and especially the older ones, you'll find that many of them were raised in that type of environment. That's all they really had. They were fortunate to have a roof over their head and fortunate just to have something to eat and something to put on. You know, I told somebody this morning, I said, or maybe it was Suzanne, I said, you know, credit has has changed the world forever. I mean, people are living beyond their means. They're buying things they don't need because they're trying to satisfy their souls, what they're really trying to do. You might say, well, they are satisfy their lust. <laughs> Let's notice here, we're going to have something that's very interesting, but they that will be rich. Begins to talk about folks that never get rich. They're not going to be rich, but that's the desire of their heart. I need more, I want this vacation home, I want to go here, or I want to build this, or I want to do that. I mean, the the list is endless, just pick what you want. But they that will be rich are they that never become rich. But the effect that this desire of the mind has on them is as devastating as those that actually obtain this large amount of money really become rich. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. You know, not long ago I preached about fear. We're told in Proverbs 29 and 25 that the fear of man bringeth a snare. A snare is like a noose that you put around a horse, or, for example, uh, we have a little dog at the house, and we put a, a cock, put a leash on her and 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 walk her down. That, that's control. What this is saying is this desire to have this money, and money's one of the bigger ones. It can be entertainment, contentment. It can be lots of things. You may not be content with your children or, or, or a lot of things, but here he's dealing primarily with money, and money is a, is a big deal to most all of us. We seem to never have enough of it. No matter how much it we have, we always want more. That's just our old human nature. But they that will be rich fall into temptation. Here it says they'll fall into being tried and a snare. it will have control over them. This is what will cause them not to be happy or satisfied because they're searching for something. How many people spend thousands of dollars a year playing the lottery and never win anything? They want to be rich. They desire to have it all. They're not not satisfied where they are. They're not satisfied with God's provision. You know, God blesses one man to be rich and one man to be in a medium state, and the next man might be poor. I can't tell you why God blesses individuals that way. But that's just the way it is. But Paul said, whether I'm in a a state of an abundance or a state of need, I've learned to be content. It's a learning process. It, It takes a conscious effort. To put away the glamorous things of life, the things, the bright lights and the shiny things. And it's it's not easy. I wouldn't tell you it is. It's not easy for me, and I doubt it's easy for you. These things are appealing to the eye, aren't they? You know, in America, we have got to the point, one of the great differences in American Philippines, and it becomes money, is how our, how our cities, I mean, you can't imagine, they say that, uh, New York's a city that never sleeps. New York has no comparison to Manila. And in, in, in never sleeping are the condition of the city. And that's because New York's had enough money to keep their city relatively clean. It might not be the cleanest city in the United States. I think it's cleaner than L.A., but money drives that. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. These people do things they ought not to do. Their thoughts become foolish. They try all kinds of things to fulfill the lust and the desires of their mind with material things out in the world. Paul says that we need to learn to be satisfied and content right where we are, whether we have a lot, a little, or nothing. He says, if you have food and raiment and a roof over your head, we ought to be content. It goes on and says, which drown men in destruction and perdition, which means ruin. This ruins folks' lives because all they ever think about is getting rich instead of living life to its fullest right where they're at. Like I said, I can't tell you why some people are, are born to be rich or God blesses them to be rich. They're not really born to be rich, but. He does. He blesses men to be rich. And he blesses others to be in between and others to be poor. But they're all his people. And they all fall under this. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. I used to have so much trouble with that verse. In other words, every evil thing, every unrighteous act that goes on, If you peel the onion back to its core, you're going to find the inordinate desire, not the money, the love of it, the desire for it, the covetousness for it is at the root of that unrighteousness. You know, it's it's, it's hard to imagine that, but God said it, and I believe it. And sometimes we're not honest enough with ourselves to see that is the truth in our own lives. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. This is one of the biggest problems I've seen among the Lord's people in this country. God has blessed them with a lot. And they've erred from the faith. They don't have time for the Lord anymore. Life has become too good, too busy. It's real easy to do. They got places to go, people to see, and things to do. They don't have time for the Lord Jesus Christ They have enough money now, they're going to go out and they're going to try to fulfill the soul with the materialistic things of this world. Gold, silver, lands, houses, whatever it is that their desire has, their lust wants. But he says they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This tells me for folks that are either really rich, God's people, he's not talking to the wicked, or that desire to be rich there's coming a day that if you obtain, continue in that mindset you're going to have a lot of sorrow you're going to be pierced through with many sorrows you're going to wake up one day and you're going to realize that wasn't what life was all about you know Paul went on to say fight the good faith fight the faith lay hold on eternal life he's not saying go get something that you don't have he's saying live like you have it because you do To the glory of God every day, the greatest gift ever given. No amount of money, no amount of lands, no amount of houses were ever equal the gift of eternal life. Lay hold of it and live it. Live to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ every day. That's what Paul says. And I'm going to close with this verse. Verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. You know, that part, trust in uncertain riches, that, that applies to both people up here, to those who are trying to be rich, desiring to be rich but never get there, and to those who obtained a lot of money and were really rich. They begin to trust in their money. I can do this. I can do that. Isn't that what the rich fool done? Or, they're over there, the rich man Luke chapter 12, he trusted in his money. He said, I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and I'll, I'll, I'll have everything I ever need, and I'll just eat, drink, be merry, and live out my life. Sounds good in theory, doesn't it? But I know in verse 20, the Lord said, Thou fool. That's the first two words he says. That ought to have meaning to you and I. Thou fool, this night will I require thy life, and then who shall all these things be? We brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out. We ought not to put such a great amount of energy and time into obtaining the things or worrying about what we have, but trusting in the Lord. The Lord said he'd provide. He said, I feed the sparrows, and they don't sow anything. They don't reap anything, but I leave them food out there to obtain. He does. The ravens sow. You can go to Matthew and go to Luke. He provides for them, and he says, how much greater are we than they are? That continues on in Luke 12. We're to trust in the Lord. We're not to doubt him. And I tell you right now, if we'll put the Lord first and our families first, that's the greatest thing and gift you'll ever have in this life. It is. They mean more to you or they should than all the gold and silver that you can ever obtain in this world. I pray for each and every one of us, including myself especially, that I would learn this. I don't know where I'll be. You know, I'm nearly 65 years old and I used to say that's old, but I got a lot of folks sitting around. It's probably pretty well in the same class. And you know, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of my life. Uh, you know, it's easy to worry about, are we going to get to the end of our days and have enough money? That's an older person's mindset. I've seen it with my grandparents and Suzanne's grandparents. and I mean, it's just something that we have. Are we going to get to the end? But Paul said, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. The proverb, and Solomon said that too. With all our heart, are you trusting God to see you to the end of your day? Or are we trusting in uncertain riches to get us there? You know, I will tell you one thing. I don't care how much money you have. There could come a day like 1929 in this country, and they really could. Most people believe that's an impossibility. I don't. Money vanished overnight. Your money's not in the bank to start with they got a number written down on a piece of paper. It's just a digit. If all of us banked at the same bank and ran to that bank one day, they couldn't give you your money. They don't have it. That's what trusting in uncertain riches could do, could leave you empty. Trust in the Lord. He'll never leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say he is your helper. May we be blessed to learn to be content, whether we have a lot, a little, whatever we have, be thankful that we've been blessed to live in this country and to have it as well as we've had it. You know, I didn't go over to Exodus, but we, you could go over there and listen to the murmurings of the children of Israel. God had just led them through the, the Red Sea. Waters heaped up on both sides and drowned the enemy, destroyed them, and it wasn't just a few days. We don't have anything to drink. And they murmured, complained. You bring us out here in the desert to die? Trust in the Lord satisfied with his provision. He will see us to the end of our days, I promise you. May God bless you, is my prayer.